Hey everyone, it's Aaliyah Henry, and you're listening to The Aaliyah Henry Show. Expect to hear insightful interviews and panel discussions covering community, entrepreneurship, health, and women's empowerment. Don't miss out. Keep listening. The Aaliyah Henry Show is up next. Welcome, I'm your host, Aaliyah Henry, and I wanna talk about girl bosses and fearless women. Joining me today is that woman. She is an entrepreneur, speaker, cancer advocate, and media personality. She holds a degree in journalism from the University of Colorado at Boulder. She is a community volunteer and serves on multiple boards of nonprofit organizations. She is Dallas influencer, Kimberly Alexander. Well, Kimberly, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. And um, it's always a pleasure to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, it's been a while and I know we connected. Gosh, I don't even know how long it's been. It was two years ago. It's been that long? Okay. Yeah. Wow. This is long overdue. Long overdue yeah. and um, definitely, and, and it's great because, you know, when I'm out and we're meeting people, you know, I always uh, seem to, uh, you know, I, I think when I meet people that I totally like magnetic to, um, you know, I just love that. And so, of course, I've followed you um, and, and seen all the work that you're doing in our community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's amazing. And Thank obviously you. now to understand your story. Um, I really just thought it would be great to talk about that and, mm -hmm. and, and talk about what you're doing. And when I was preparing for uh, our discussion today, I thought about this quote from W.E.B. Du Bois. There's no, there is no force equal to a woman determined to rise. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think about when I think about you mm -hmm. and, and your story. And so I'm just, um, I'm honored and grateful um, that you're here and, and that you're willing to talk about it and share all the great successes um, as well with our audience. So thanks. Thank you. It's an honor. It really <laughs> is. So I'm going to jump right in. You're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and you are the owner of Kim Connects. Mm -hmm. Share with us a little about what Kim Connects is mm -hmm. and what you're aspiring to do with your business. So Kim Connects is a boutique consulting firm. I actually started it a few years ago, kind of as an umbrella to house all of the things that I'm so passionate about. Um, you know, my backstory is a little bit complicated. I don't want to like jump all over the place, mm -hmm. but um, you know, I, I was married to an NFL player and one of the complicated things about being married to an athlete is that a lot of times you put your career aspirations on hold. And so when my husband was playing, my responsibility was taking care of him and taking care of our sons. My background, my passion was broadcast journalism, but we moved all the time. Whenever he <laughs> was playing during the season, we lived in one city and then we would come back to Dallas and no one was going to hire me knowing that I'm moving all the time. So I kind of didn't worry about it. 
And um, when he retired, you know, on my head, I'm like, okay, now it's my turn mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what I want to do and get started. You know, I was still relatively young. I was in my 30s. Our kids were in school. And his health kind of took a turn. And when that happened, it ultimately ended up making me realize I needed to figure out something to do when the rest of our life kind of played out, I guess is the best way to put it. And so, you know, a lot of times um, during his career, like I'd actually started a couple of businesses. I started a t-shirt company. Really? I did, yeah, <laughs> way back in the day. You remember when everybody was wearing the BB rhinestone t-shirts? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So <laughs> my husband played for the Oakland Raiders and their colors are black and silver. Mm -hmm. The most boring color combination <laughs> on the planet. And I was one of those wives where I didn't, I didn't like always dressing up to go to a game. You know, I kind of wanted to wear jeans and something cute, but all they ever had in gift shops back then or in the team shops were the big bulky jerseys. So mm -hmm. I uh, taught myself how to create rhinestone t-shirts and I made some for myself and it kind of took off. I was a, a little bit ahead of the game um, because now, you know, everybody's doing yeah, everybody's it, which got a blank shirt. blows me away because I'm like, man, we were doing that back in like 2001, <laughs> like 1999, 2000. So um, that was really kind of how I got started in entrepreneurship. And I took the lessons I learned from there to what I'm doing now. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that is so exciting. Um, you know, it's interesting, and as you sit here and you talk about bling shirts and rhinestone shirts, mm -hmm. I can probably say I have like almost 15 to 17 shirts. Really? That are all blinked. Wow. Whether it's from sorority, that mm -hmm. we had some PTA shirts yep. last year that were blinked yep. out. So you're right, it's, it's kind of interesting how that fashion, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like um, the bell bottoms, I and mean, they went away for 20 years, right. and now all of a sudden they're back. And now everyone wants to say, oh, yeah, look at my pants. And I'm thinking, well, we wore those in right. high school. <laughs> right, right. <Everybody laughs> now I'm dating my age. But, yeah, yeah you know, it's um, just amazing how, how fashion trends mm -hmm. really do kind of segue into um, different generations mm -hmm. as well. Yep. So it's interesting. You talked about those lessons that you learned mm -hmm. throughout some of this entrepreneurship journey. What would a couple of those lessons be to someone that is just on their beginning of their journey? Oh, I think my first lesson would be, or my first bit of advice would be to really, really, really think long term. Okay. Think about, you know, what you want people to think about when they see your business. Be, you know, strategic about what you name your business. Take incredible photos. Don't hesitate to invest in stepping your game up like back then social media didn't exist yeah. and so now it is such a game changer and it can really make or break a business so it's one of the things that i really do um, try to stress to people i was actually in a meeting a couple of days ago with a young woman who wanted me to talk to her about marketing her business and the first thing i did was looked at her instagram and i'm like wait a minute you're telling me what you do but I'm looking at your photos and your bio, and I don't get that at all. And so my first bit of advice was, you know, you need to change this up and be more clear about what it is you're wanting to do, the, the type of clientele you're trying to attract, and do that. Now, whether or not she takes that advice, that's a whole different exactly. ballgame, because a lot of times people aren't ready. And so um, that's just kind of been one of the things that I definitely try to 
stress to people to make sure that whatever you're putting out there, be clear about it so that people will be able to find you and know what you do. And that's, you know, it's so, so interesting that social media has taken such a huge place mm -hmm. in everybody's mindset. You know, I mean, obviously there's 3 billion people on all of the social mm -hmm. media platforms at any given time. And that to me, and they're spending anywhere from five to seven hours on any type of social platform. Yeah. And so it's just different. Um, Cause I just remember spending a lot of my time outside on a bike. I know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah. We definitely weren't on computers and phones the way people are now. Yeah, definitely a different way of life. So in addition to being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about um, you're philanthropic and you're very involved in um, the nonprofit community. And you talked a lot about Elijah. Mm -hmm. And I know that, um, you know, during that loss of Elijah, you really were able to share how his legacy, not mm -hmm. like where it's going today, has mm -hmm. really propelled your philanthropic efforts. Talk a little bit about the advocacy work that you are doing with um, the National Leukemia Society. So, um, like I was explaining before, you know, I, I lost my husband to the blood cancer multiple myeloma. He was very young. He was only 39 when he passed away. And, um, and I was 37 and I needed to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, oddly enough, right before he passed away, I was in the middle of taking a social media class and a nonprofit management class because he had started a nonprofit just before he passed away and I had promised him that I would keep it going. Mm -hmm. But after I lost him and I was in the process of trying to run everything, I became overwhelmed. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I did, because at the time we had two young sons, our kids were in um, middle school and high school, I wanted to make sure that I didn't fall apart for them. Yeah. You know, to me, maintaining my own sanity and taking care of myself meant they had somebody that they could look up to because my biggest concern was that they would look to me and see me struggling and feel obligated to either, you know, worry about me. I just wanted my kids to continue to be able to be as normal as possible, you know, in spite of losing their father and, and me losing my husband. And so, at that point, I decided, you know what, instead of stressing myself out trying to run, run this nonprofit, let me take my talents, go over here to a well-oiled machine and, and get behind it. And so I ended up becoming involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I sit on the executive board now, and I've been there probably about four or five years, mm -hmm. and um, I absolutely love it. I mean, it gives me an opportunity to continue to educate people about multiple myeloma to continue to raise money in order to help find a cure. You know, multiple myeloma is the second most common blood cancer. It's incurable. It affects African-American men at a higher rate and a lot of people don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so there've been a lot of advancements made since I became aware of myeloma back in 2005, but I'm still so passionate, like until there's a cure, I'm going to keep, you know, plugging right away, just trying to, to help any and everybody I can, not even just in the myeloma space, but 
with cancer in general because one of the things that I've learned is that it honestly tends to affect all of us the same way. You know, anytime anyone is um, facing a cancer diagnosis, what it does to a family is just incredible. You know, it's interesting um, when you talk about the advocacy of just cancer and that piece, mm -hmm. one of the things that I know um, really comes to mind is now you become a caregiver. Mm -hmm. And that is tough. People don't necessarily understand what that means right. to actually have to be the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And in your case with Elijah, he was very involved. So you've got very. two parents, yeah. you know, going to practice or taking mm -hmm. one to the doctor or doing all of those different things. Mm -hmm. But then once you become the caregiver, you're now like that single parent mm -hmm. that's really having to do um, a lot of the, the yeah. legwork of yeah. the, the load. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what, what would you share um, just as, as advice mm -hmm. for someone who possibly is a caregiver or is a care? Because I think sometimes you don't necessarily, you don't really think that it really does affect like the family until it, it happens. Right. And it's really different. Well, one of the things that I remember is, honestly, I didn't realize I was a caregiver until maybe about three or four years into it. Because okay. in my head, it's like, well, I'm a wife and a mom. It's my responsibility to take care of my husband. It's my responsibility to take care of our children. So for me, it's just kind of like, okay, I just have added responsibility. It's, yeah. you know, everything hit our family so quickly. You know, Elijah had been playing in the NFL. He was diagnosed with myeloma two years after he retired. We did not see it coming at all. And so like most caregivers, I hadn't been prepared. No one had ever really said anything to me. And once he was diagnosed, all of the attention went to him. And that was fine because in my opinion, that is where it needed to go. My needs went on the back burner. Yeah. But one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give anyone who finds themselves in the caregiver role now is don't forget about you, you know, because if you aren't sound, if you aren't feeling good about yourself, if you're not, you know, getting a moment where you're not so stressed out, you're no good to anyone else. So don't ever feel guilty about, you know, taking a little bit of time to work out, take a little bit of time to go for a ride and listen to your favorite music, <laughs> go to Starbucks, go get your nails done, walk around the mall, like just do something for yourself so that you don't just completely lose yourself in worrying about everyone else. And I think as women, you know, that's naturally what we do. And we really do have to be mindful about you know, just not letting it overtake everything. Yeah, I definitely think that it's challenging because we tend to think that if we don't do it, it, it won't get done. And and usually it, it won't. <laughs> it won't. You yeah. know, and so it's it's kind of like if it doesn't get, it don't done, get done, it, it it's going to come back on you in some form or fashion anyway. But you just you still have to find just a little piece of time for yeah. yourself. The other thing I think that I've learned is that um, I'm okay mm -hmm. with it being not done. Mm -hmm. But it took, That's me, good. it took me a long time mm -hmm. to get to that space. Mm -hmm. Like I've always been one that before I go to bed, the kitchen has to be clean. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like clean, I mean it's got, everything's got to be put back. Because I get anxiety if I get up in the morning and I've got to come back into the kitchen and I can't even get started. Right. But you know, when things get busy, like right now, I'm like, okay, and I think I've seen it, like 
there'd be dishes in the sink and it might be there for two days and and I've really gotten okay with it but I I think I have because it's just you know there's other things I think I've learned to be worried about right. and that just those little things all of a sudden became eh, right it's right. okay yeah well it's, it's incredible <laughs> what a stressful situation will um, do to you because I'm I'm totally that way now um, you know one of the things that I, I pride myself on doing is recognizing my bandwidth. Okay. I know what I can handle. If it's too much over here, I'll walk away from it. I'm not going to allow people to stress me out with what's worrying them because at the end of the day, you know, if I'm not feeling 100%, if I'm, you know, feeling overrun and, and just tired and worn out, then I'm no good to anyone. So I, I will turn it off, I will walk away. My favorite phrase, and I became so much more comfortable with saying it after 40, is no. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to go. I'm not going to feel obligated to do anything that I'm not really interested in. I just, I don't feel like I owe anyone anything anymore. As long as my kids are good, I'm good. Outside of that, they'll live. Yeah, that's good. That is really good. So, I mean, obviously, with your children, mm -hmm. and they're grown men. They're grown. Isn't that they're, cool? They'll always be my babies. So I, I don't, I don't care. So they'll cool always now be. that they're yeah. like in this they're adults. adulthood. Yeah. Talk about um, what your what what do you see for them? Like, Oof. have you know? Because again, these last nine years have been different. Mm -hmm. Life has been different, mm -hmm. but. I am sure Elijah is looking down on y'all just smiling. I hope. This is <laughs> I mean, yeah. all the things that you've accomplished mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously the boys are in adulthood. What do you see for them or what do you say to them? Well, you know, honestly, when, um, when everything happened, when I had to explain to them that I was going to have to take their dad off of life support and that whole process, that was by far the worst day in my life and it's like the one day that I think you know if I think about it too long I will always get very emotional about it but one of the things that I wanted to stress to our sons was you know no matter what you know the expectations that dad and I had of you will remain the same you know I never wanted them to use losing their dad my husband as an excuse for them not to do all of the things that we knew that they were capable of doing. And so one of the things that I wanted to make sure of was that, like I said earlier, that life was as normal as it could be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my after my husband passed and, and we had his celebration of life, that weekend the boys had games, I had them at the games. Everything that we were doing before, we kept doing. And I felt like that was very important to establish some sense of normalcy even though it was a new normal yeah. you know it was still some normalcy the one thing that um changed was that i promised them that i would get them a dog <laughs> and um and so i got them a dog i got them a, a mastiff oh, and wow. um and They're so large, aren't yeah she was humongous but okay. she was she she was like you know a 90 pound lap dog she was incredible but um you know she was a, a great addition to our life and the boys you know they grew up they made it through high school um, they graduated yeah. and our oldest one went to college he's a DJ now he's DJ easy does it. I think I saw him well I saw a picture of him DJing yeah. at an event it's, it's so funny because <laughs> um, I had actually gotten DJ lessons for myself you know okay. kind of, I'm, I'm real big on bucket list now okay because I have a huge 
respect for the fact that none of us are promised tomorrow. So if there's anything that I want to do, I'm pretty much going to do it. And uh, being a DJ was one of them. And I mentioned it to him and I saw his eyes light up. Being the mom that I am, I could not take the lessons. So I gave them to him. Okay. He sold all his video game equipment, bought DJ equipment. That was probably four years ago. Wow. So he's been at it a while. And our youngest one played baseball. Okay. Um, and I kept up with that. I was the worst baseball mom. <laughs> I knew football. As long as I had him at the game and he was in his uniform, that was you know, all I was worried about. I'd have my earbuds in. I wouldn't necessarily interact with the other parents. It was hot, you know, and um, he ended up being drafted by the Yankees out of high school. And so now he's playing in their minor league system. And so being able to watch both boys thrive in fields that they're happy with. That's, a, that's incredible. I mean, what more can I ask for? Yeah, yeah. that's priceless. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about self-care mm -hmm. and, you I'm know. I'm big on it. Yes. And something that um, you said in a conversation that we had um, was like about your workout. Talk a little bit about other, t you know, your workout, but mm -hmm. then also some things that you really are passionate about with your self-care and, um, and why that's important mm -hmm. as, as a woman, as a mom, just for you. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, um, I always, let me stop, I didn't always. I got D's in PE in high school. And when I got to college, I initially started at uh, the University of Florida. That's, okay. I'm from Gainesville, Florida. And everybody at UF worked out. So I'm like, man, what is this all about? So I took a weightlifting class and I really, really liked it. And then when I started dating my husband and I married him, I mean, he was an athlete, so I mean, I had to kind of work out yeah. too. So I kept, I kept working out. I pretty much tried to stay in shape as much as I possibly could. And I realized how important that was, especially when he was in treatment for his cancer. During his treatment, I maintained my, my workouts. Uh, I, honestly, I looked at him because he kept working out during his treatment as wow. well. and so. I'm like, my goodness, here he is battling, you know, this cancer that was wearing him down a lot of the times and he was still lifting weights and still going to ride his bike. So it kind of put pressure on me to, sure. you know, I can't go and get lazy. And so um, after he passed away, though, of course, there were a lot of things that changed in my patterns, just in, in what I was doing, um, trying to adjust to being a widow and just trying to balance everything with the boys. And maybe about a year or two after he passed away, I saw a photo of myself and noticed that I'd gained weight. And, um, and I kind of, I panicked a little bit and I was approaching, I think it was my 40th birthday. And I, uh, I went and got a trainer and he wore me out. I mean, I was working out with him three days a week for like an hour and I saw how much of a difference it made and how much better it made me feel. And so I've pretty much remained very adamant about making sure that a good workout is still a part of my day. And I mean, I literally will plan my day around my workouts. I typically have to get it done first thing in the morning and, okay. um, and kind of go from there. I mean, and I, I just started a new one probably about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm doing launch theory, right. so it's really challenging and it's really hard, but it's making a difference and I, I like it. That's good, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Do you like to travel? I love to travel. Okay. I, I, listen, I love Dallas, but the best part about Dallas <laughs> is our airport because you can get on a plane and leave very easily. And so um, I love traveling. Is there some place that you have not been that's on your bucket list that you definitely want to make sure that you do? Gosh, you know, <laughs> not really for the simple fact that I'm one of those people that regardless of where I go, I will always find something interesting to do. Okay. I don't care how big or small the city is. I will Google the best restaurant. I will Google, you know, a museum. There's always something worthwhile to go and see. I love the Caribbean. So okay. um, anything with a beach okay. is perfect That's for me. Good. Yeah. Awesome. So talk a little bit about um, what's next for you. I mean, obviously, you know, you are really heavily into the philanthropic space. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a cancer advocate, mm -hmm. what's next? You know, honestly, what's really weighing on me now, okay. you know, is still something related to cancer, but it's more in the health disparity space. Okay. I'm, I'm becoming very aware of how a lot of people aren't being given the opportunity to learn about the treatment that's available to them, or they're not aware of the resources that are available to them. And I really do want to be someone who moves the needle in making a difference in that space, because I keep seeing people kind of do things the same way. Everybody wants to do a community event where you set up a booth and you pass out brochures. That's really not enough. And we need to start having some really tough, open, straight up conversations about, you know, what we need to be doing in terms of health care in order to make a difference. You talked a little bit earlier about African Americans being uh, men, African American mm -hmm. men being the fastest in uh, with myeloma. With myeloma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, most diagnosed. So why isn't that I mean it's like I, I went to look it up and after we you and I talked mm -hmm. and it was just amazing that I had never really, I mean, obviously I lost my dad from leukemia, mm -hmm. acute leukemia, mm -hmm. but she had only um, probably had for about four to six weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Like we were right before um, radiation stage. Okay. So we got, took a turn for the worst mm -hmm. um, and got very ill. And so even at that point we were like, what? Right. He has what? Yeah. I mean, it just like for you, it was just, it yeah. came out of nowhere. Right. And so, um, again, when, you know, obviously I learned of um, Elijah's diagnosis, it's just, it's unheard of, mm -hmm. but then you're, then we're being told that it's the number one cancer, mm -hmm. or it's a, not number one, but it is a high mm -hmm. rate a of second, cancer yeah. for black men. It's the number one <laughs> blood cancer that affects African-American yeah. men, but it's the second most common blood cancer. You know, and I think a lot of that comes from marketing. You know, to be very honest with you, a lot of times so many people hear about certain types of cancer as opposed to others. And that's just all about who is putting their, you know, their cause out there the most. And so because I know that, it's why I talk about myeloma all the time. It's in all of my bios on social media. I have, uh, I, I have a hashtag 
that I use that says I'm here because of myeloma so that whenever I'm doing anything within the cancer advocacy space, I tag it with that. People can click on it and see everything that I've done um, in terms of cancer advocacy because to me it's so important to keep the term, the name out there so that people are aware of it. And I love it when people find me on social media and they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I found you. You know, I've heard about you. I love to be able to help them and point them in the right direction, even if it's not from within our own organization with LLS. You know, I'm aware of and have worked with the International Myeloma Foundation. You know, we've supported the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. I've done a lot. And to me, it's like if I want to help people, I want to make a difference, I have to be able to send people wherever. I can't just kind of sit on certain information because at the end of the day, I'm aware of the fact that something that I know may help save someone else's life. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm just, I'm inspired by your work, number Thank one. You. And I just think it is so important. I feel like when we have these platforms, mm -hmm. again, we just have to continue to have the conversations. And so, you know, obviously being an entrepreneur, um, having that internet radio show for three years mm -hmm. was great. But now seeing this podcast, um, platform, I really want to be able to just keep sharing the information mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that's how we're going to overturn some of the mm -hmm. things that are happening by education. And if this is a great platform that we can use, obviously social media is so important at this point, but you know, we just have to continue to keep the fight going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would, um, leave with our audience about leading your best life? Ooh, leading your best life. I think um, most importantly, find something you're passionate about. I think that having something that I'm so passionate about has given me a whole different sense of purpose. And I know, you know, we talk about that all the time. It's almost yeah. like the phrases are, are, are cliche at this point, but there really is something to be said about you know, just having something that just kind of makes your blood boil. Like, you know, either you, it makes you want to, you know, go out and help it or go out and celebrate it. You know, it's interesting because last night I was preparing for a, um, a conference that I'll be going to in a few weeks that revolves around cancer disparities. And then unfortunately, I got some news today that a young man that I'd done some, some work with, he was honored by our organization you know, young man, he lost his battle with leukemia. And, you know, I, it started my day off horribly, to be very honest with you, but it also inspired me and let me know this is why the work you're doing is so incredibly important. You know, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to forget about the things that, that make me happy all the time. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll keep those things always around because I'll kind of need them to lift sure. my spirits, but at, yeah. at this point, I mean, I am just so fired up to keep doing more in the cancer advocacy space, to continue using my platform, like you were saying before with your podcast. You know, I, I co-host a sports talk radio show. We didn't even really get to talk about that, but let yeah. me tell you, anytime I have the opportunity to talk about myeloma or blood cancer or cancer advocacy, somehow when I'm on the radio yes. talking about football, basketball, and baseball and all that kind of stuff, to me, it's like 
job well done, Kim. Like just anything you can do to just kind of tie in something important with, you know, just some fun stuff every now and then. Tell us how we can listen to the sports talk show. Oh, well, we're on, <laughs> on um, Sunday mornings on 105.3 The Fan. It's a, a sports talk radio show called The Game. The Game stands for the Golf and More Experience. I'm Very the cool. and more experience part because I can't play golf. <laughs> uh, and so luckily I have an amazing co-host by the name of Tim Matthews who uh, handles all the, the golf talk oh. and then I can kind of chime in about all the other stuff. I offer a different perspective when it comes to sports. Having been you know, married to an athlete, now the mom of an athlete, my perspective is completely different. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to tune into Thank that you. as well. Awesome. Very good. Well, Kimberly, it has just been a pleasure and my honor to have you um, on the show. I think it's exciting. I look forward to us to have some continued mm -hmm. conversations. Absolutely. Definitely want to look at continuing uh, the efforts and just really talking about issues that matter. Mm -hmm. It's important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Aaliyah Henry Show. Remember, be bold enough to use your voice, brave enough to listen to your heart, and strong enough to live the life you've always imagined. See you next time.